What's going on, everyone? Welcome back into another episode of the Dynasty Optimist. You got your boy Brad on the mic again with my good pal, Andrew. How's it going, my man? It's going well, man. It's going really well. Can't wait to get this episode rolling for y'all and see what we got. Oh, yeah. Well, let's start it off here. Since uh, since we are the Dynasty Optimist, let's let's get a little optimist check. How you feeling about Brandon Ayuk, your boy? Uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling about the same as last week. Um, I'm not sure what needs to change in the roles in that offense for Brandon Ayuk to truly get his target share up. But I really hate Debo Samuel, bro. Uh, it, every single time I see Debo Samuel on the field and catching uh, catching footballs out there, I just want to punch a pillow. And every single reception that Debo Samuel's getting should be Brandon Ayuk's. And, you know, I'm not biased by any means. You know, it just, it's just the way it is. Uh, I love Brandon Ayuk, and I still love Brandon Ayuk. Uh, you know, he had everything that I was looking for, right? First-round draft capital, a 92nd uh, percent burst score. Uh, his sophomore comps in my, my, my process were amazing. Like, you know, players like Godwin, like A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, T. Higgins. Uh, and I'm looking, you know, at receiving grades, a PFF receiving grades, rookie points per game, yards per route ran, etc., and uh, at this point, I'm just uh, praying for a miracle. Yeah, I mean, you can't really be uh, too optimistic with Brandon Ayuk. He had like three targets this last game. He's uh, he hasn't had very many targets all season. I mean, he didn't even play right out the gate, so it's a uh, it's tough to tough to root for him. But I got to talk about my boy. Uh, some of you might not know. I know Andrew's very very aware, but uh, I'm a big Denzel Mims fan, and or I was, and uh, I think the optimism's running a little low on him. Uh, coming out, I was a huge fan. I think he was my wide receiver three coming out in the draft. Uh, he had a 9.76 RAS score, which is raw athletic score. If you guys haven't seen it before, it's a, it's actually a really cool thing that I, I think his name's Ken Platt put together, uh, just to kind of put a number on a, a player's actual athleticism. And that's typically, it's a really good indicator of both wide receiver and tight end success in the NFL. Uh, and he had a 9.76 out of 10, which is just absolutely ridiculous. I love this tape coming out of college, but Something's happening over there. Uh, I don't. I guess he's just falling out of favor with the coaching staff. It's allegedly it's because he doesn't play special teams or he doesn't play in the slot, whatever it might be. It's. I just Denzel Mims needs a new team, and for now he's just living on my bench because he's. I mean, I like his upside, but that's that's right about it. So, uh, rough time to be an optimist for us, I guess. All right, let's get into the meat of this thing. So we'll start with the power rankings update. So. This week, we've got you still at the top, Andrew. The Cleveland Steamboats at one. Sea Dogs at two. Uh, it's really close between one and two because the Sea Dogs team is really powerful. You've still got that undefeated record, and he does have that one loss, so we're going to keep it there for now. Uh, Chicago Southsiders at three. Reno Royals, myself, at four. He, t- he overtook me this week. Um, Richmond Raiders stays at five. We got the Washington War Machines bumping up to number six with the win. Uh, passing the Jacksonville Juicers, who had a rough week this week. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Baltimore Bombers at eight. Philadelphia Air Rats at number nine, getting their first win. Uh, Denver Aussies at 10. Prestige Worldwide at 11. And the Columbus Curb Stompers at 12 in last place. Um, so some couple things that we want to talk about here with the uh, power rankings. So firstly... 
it kind of, to me, feels like Prestige Worldwide and the Curb Stompers are kind of stuck at 11 and 12 and in those spots, too. Prestige Worldwide at 11 and Curb Stompers at 12. Uh, Curb Stompers just is only putting up 85 points per game, and Prestige Worldwide just seems kind of stuck in limbo where he's at at 11. I don't really see him moving up or down. His team seems to score consistently better than Curb Stompers, but not enough to jump up to 10. Uh, what do you think? Do you think they're kind of living in the, that 11-12 space? Do you think they have any room to move? What do you think? Uh, no. No, unfortunately not for the Curb Stompers and Prestige Worldwide. I think they are I think they both have pretty much solidified the 11th and 12th spot. Uh, Prestige World, We'll talk about Prestige Worldwide first here. Uh, unfortunately, his team feels like the team of twos and threes. And what I mean by that is every single player on his team seems to be destined for like a WR2 or WR3 or an RB2 or RB3 finish uh, besides Kareem Hunt. He's the only one that really has that, that that one upside. But Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, unfortunately, if to me, it feels like they're both kind of destined to be QB2s, uh, perennial QB2s. I don't see them, either of one, really cracking the, the QB1 kind of ceiling. Um, he could find, unfortunately, he could find himself without a singular starting QB in, in, a, in a hurry. And I mean, after the 2021 season, even. I know that sounds pretty ridiculous, right? Jared Goff just got traded. Carson Wentz just got signed. But we've seen the collapse of Carson Wentz once, and we could easily see it again, just like the Detroit Lions could easily have a top five pick, which they could easily find themselves, you know, not really liking Jared Goff going forward and finding, you know, a different option. So a complete... Unfortunately for the world, you know, prestige worldwide, excuse me, a complete and total rebuild uh, is, is on tap for that team. And it needs a lot more love uh, than most of these teams if it's if it's going to climb to the top or even climb to a position where it can uh, it can compete. So it needs a lot of help, needs consistent love and attention. And that's realistically a three a three year rebuild. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, it seems like Prestige Worldwide has the activity via via trades and throwing guys on the trade block, and he seems like he's got a lot of activity out there. I I, I think he's ready for a rebuild. I think he can do it. Uh, he's he seems like he knows what he's doing. So, um, looking at the power rankings, it's kind of interesting. To, uh, there doesn't I can't really find the tiers, man. Where where do you think the tier is for true contenders? Like where do you think that tier break is? Do you think it's Somewhere, I I mean, do you think the top three are the only contenders? Four, do you think Raiders, War Machines, Juicers? What do you think? Where's that tier break for actual true contenders for this season? The tier break to me is the top six. And the top six meaning the Washington War Machines or the Richmond Raiders at the fifth or sixth spot, depending on the week. Uh, unless the Juicers make a trade for some more star power and they deal some some capital, some draft capital to upgrade at a few positions they fall short. Uh, they are not going to be able to compete with the top six teams. Richmond Raiders will always be in contention for, uh, if, he, if, he make, you know, if he makes the playoffs, if he's able to secure a playoff spot, that team will always be in contention because of Derrick Henry. Uh, I just think Derrick Henry is a complete and total beast. And whoever rosters, like I said last week, whoever rosters that player has a chance, even if it's a small percentage chance, they have a chance with a 50 point game from Derrick Henry or something ridiculous to win a week. So, 
Yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry feels kind of like the prime Jamal Charles, where all of a sudden he's rushing for three touchdowns and has 200 yards. I mean, it's it, sometimes he might have the dud weeks, but you're right. Uh, if you have Derrick Henry, you're you got a shot, and that's really dangerous in the playoffs because hey, couples if he strings down together a couple huge games, he I mean he realistically could win it. It's he could. Um, so let's move on to some NFL news here. Um, I know this one's uh, I'm excited to talk about. I think you're pretty excited to talk about. Cordarrelle Patterson, uh, as you put the enunciation in there, Cordarrelle Patterson. I I always thought it was Corderell, but whatever. Um, he's going crazy. He's going crazy this season. He is the RB three, even though he's kind of a wide receiver at the same time. Uh, I haven't started him once this season, despite him uh, playing awesome. I and mean, he had three touchdowns last game, and uh. I'm through the last three weeks. He has 20 carries for 65 yards and a touchdown, 16 receptions for 222 yards and four touchdowns. He's, he's been awesome. I mean, what do you, what do you think about Cordero? At this point, you cannot bench him. Uh, it doesn't matter what league, what kind of scoring format yeah, you have to start Cordero Patterson, because if you don't, and he puts up another 30 banger on the bench, you're going to be punching your pillow. You're going to be, you're going to be mad and you're just going to hate yourself for not starting him unless your team, unless you're playing in like a six team league and you know, you have studs across the board, no matter what, maybe you can reconsider, but in any 10 to 12 team format, you're starting Cordero Patterson 100%. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm literally doing it this week. I completely agree. Um, so a couple questions for you, man. Uh, rest of the season. Would you rather have Cordero Patterson or Allen Robinson? Uh, this is going to be a dagger in the heart for uh, our good friend Chicago. I would rather have Cordero Patterson over Allen Robinson rest of the season. Excuse me. I have zero faith in that Barry's offense to turn it around. I like Justin Fields long term. I do not like him in 2021. This offense has no identity, has no idea what it's doing. They're not. Th- they're not targeting Allen Robinson at all. They're not throwing the ball down the field. It's just an absolute nightmare. I don't want any Bears players besides David Montgomery, who, uh, you know, might even lose some work with Justin Fields at the helm because of the rushing upside. He might lose those like those red zone carries, for example, that are so uh, juicy and you know so important for running backs and you know in fantasy. So, unfortunately, Cordell Patterson. Yeah, uh, I. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, similar points to what you said. I don't know how much I can trust Allen Robinson, even when he does get the ball this season. It's uh, like right by the line of scrimmage, and he's not really known for being an after-the-catch guy. He's While he can do it, he's known for being a possession, deep-threat kind of dude. Uh, one more for you, Robert Woods or Cordero Patterson, rest of season. Ooh. This one... I'm going to have to go with Robert Woods. And the only reason I'm going with Robert Woods here is because I want to believe uh, coach speak when they say they're make, they want to make an effort going forward to get Robert Woods, the ball. We've seen Robert Woods make some, you know, spectacular plays in the past. And I trust um, the court, you know, the quarterback situation for the Rams much more than the bears. And I, I trust that offense, uh, you know, in general as a whole, way more than the bears. The bears are a dumpster fire and the Rams are one of the best teams in the league. So, yeah, I, I'm also taking Robert Woods in that one. I think he, I think he had a rough start to the season, but he's going to start getting some more targets as the season goes on. Everything was going to Cooper cup. And I don't think that's going to stay 
like that. I mean, I just look at last week. He, Cooper Cup had, had a little bit of a down game, but I'm going to take Robert Woods over Cordero as well. All right, let's move on to something not quite as good. Uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, what is going on, man? I mean, they're a weird team this year. It's You don't really have anyone on that team you can trust outside of kind of Alvin Kamara. I mean, Alvin Kamara to an extent of you can trust him to be a high-end RB2. I don't even know if you can trust him to be an RB1 at this point. Uh, the Saints are fifth worst in the league on yards per game with only 276 yards per game. Um, and their defense is on, is allowing the fifth least points per game. They're kind of turning into this ground and pound, play some good defense kind of team. Uh, and it's that's not what they've been in the past. In the past, they've thrown the ball, they've got they've scored points, and they're just they're just not at that right now. Um, Alvin Kamara has 78 attempts on the year uh, rushing, which is third in the league, but he's only averaging 3.8 yards per carry, which is his lowest mark in his career by. A large margin. I mean, the next the next closest in his sophomore season, he had 4.6 yards per carry. Um, but the real concern with Alvin Kamara for me is that only 10 receptions through four games. That's just not Alvin Kamara. That's where he that's where he shines is in the receiving game, and he's on pace for like 40, 42 receptions on the season, and he's been living a, an 80 plus for his entire career. Um, if he's not getting those receptions, it's 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 tough to. It's tough to trust him. And I, those wide receiver weapons until Michael Thomas comes back, I don't see you playing any of those guys. The next closest reliable starter is maybe Jawan Johnson at tight end with the touchdown upside. I, I don't know, man. Uh, do you trust anyone the Saints? How do you feel about Evan Kamara? I trust not one single player on the Saints, including Alvin Kamara. Uh, let's be honest here. If you are playing redraft and you drafted Alvin Kamara, chances are you're not winning. Uh, you're just not. And in Dynasty... You know, for the most part, unless your team is, you know, very heavily, you know, front loaded uh, and, uh, you know, leagues above the majority of the team or excuse me, the teams in the league, you're also not winning. These numbers are just unacceptable. I mean, like you said, 10 receptions on the year, 62 yards. What are you supposed to do with that? I mean, especially when uh, it's a running back that, you know, eats in, in the receiving game and really doesn't provide you a lot of those, uh, you know, that rushing upside. He's really that yards after catch kind of dude. Zero touchdowns on the ground. I mean, two receiving. Uh, I don't know what to do with with Alvin Kamara. And at this point, I'm not, I'm not even buying, and I'm not selling either because you can't sell. You're going to be selling for an extreme discount. If you're in a if you're in a situation, for example, where you're contending, what would you pay to bring Alvin Kamara onto your team? Um. So the most I would pay would probably if I, if I'm contending would probably be a first and a second. I wouldn't, I, w I don't think I would even come out with a first and a second as my first offer. I think I'd probably try and do them for a first if I, if I want them, but I, I think I'd be willing to pay a first and a second, which is, I mean, at this point, drastically less than what it would have been prior to the season. Well, what would you pay? I'm honestly, I'm sending just one singular first. And like, if I can't get the deal done, maybe a third, like a first and a third or like a first and a player, maybe, maybe first and like Will Fuller, for example, or some kind of like depth wide receiver piece. I'm not paying, I'm not paying, you know, RB1 numbers at all. And, and most Alvin Kamara managers are not going to sell for a first, right? So you're kind of stuck in limbo there. I mean, unless they're desperate and they're just like, all right, I have to get rid of Alvin Kamara because his value is just tanking. Every single day that goes by, his value decreases and he becomes less of an appealing option. So, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy to think about what his value used to be versus what it is now. I mean, just uh, I think it was last year, uh, 
you traded, I think you traded him for like Miles Sanders in the first or something like that, which at the time Miles Sanders had a lot more value than he does now, obviously, but his, his, uh, his value's tanked, man. It's completely tanked. Um, let's move on to another team to talk about real quick. Uh, I know the sea dogs and you are pretty excited about this one, uh, being in Arizona, but the Cardinals, man, they're awesome. They are so much fun to watch. Kyler Murray is an MVP candidate. Their offense is dealing 440 yards per game, which is first in the NFL, 35 points per game, which is also first in the NFL. And honestly, their defense is doing great, too. It's not just the offense. The defense is only allowing 21 points per game, which is ninth best in the NFL. Uh, Kyler's playing awesome. He is doing great. His he, All of his receivers are having weeks. Uh, granted, I'd, it's tough to trust them he, despite them playing so awesome just because Kyler isn't afraid to distribute the ball to different players. I mean, he gets Max Williams involved. He gets, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins involved. Christian Kirk has had a couple big weeks. Rondell Moore's had his week. So it's it's kind of tough to decide when you're going to play certain guys besides Hopkins. You're rolling out there every single week. But the rest of those dudes are kind of tough to play. And the running backs are eating too, man. I mean, Chase Edmonds is having a good season. James Conner's done good the past two weeks with, I think, two touchdowns each of the past two weeks. But how excited are you about the Cardinals? I mean, and Kyler Murray, obviously. I'm absolutely ecstatic. Kyler Murray has been brilliant so far this season. And in my opinion, he's the front runner for the MVP. And at this point, Kyler Murray, to me, you know, dynasty QB wise, is the only quarterback that can that even has a, sh a shred of a chance to challenge Patrick Mahomes as the QB one in dynasty. And I don't think it's close. I think he is locked and loaded at the QB two in dynasty going forward. The rushing upside, I mean, the efficiency, the offense is firing on all cylinders. There's really nothing m much more to say about Kyler Murray, except he is uh, just a just a fantasy football goldmine next to Patrick Mahomes. And the unfortunate part is that DeAndre Hopkins' uh, managers aren't exactly super excited right now with the current receiving options and how like the ball has been distributed in the offense. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think he even leads the team in catches right now. And that's not what you like to see uh, from your, I'm assuming most people had DeAndre Hopkins as their WR1. And obviously there's unique situations, but he's, uh, you're rolling DeAndre Hopkins out there to be uh, an extreme difference maker. And he's been good, but he hasn't been lights out good. And that's what you really you know want out of DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler Murray's distributing the ball too much for, you know, one wide receiver to really be, uh, you know, that Tyreek Hill kind of player where he's getting insane amount of, you know, volume and three touchdowns and stuff like that. So, yeah, just real quick to bounce back off what you were saying. Uh, he isn't leading the team in, in receptions, like you said. Uh, actually, funny enough, it's uh, Chase Edmonds is leading in receptions. But uh, the, listen to these uh, receptions uh, from all the players in the team. So we got Chase Edmonds leading with 20. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was 17. Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk are both tied at 16. And then you got A.J. Green and Max Williams both tied at 15 catches each. I mean, everybody is just so close in catches. He's distributing the ball to everybody. So it's kind of it's kind of tough to trust just one guy there. Um, let's move on to some league news here. Uh, the Jacksonville Juicers had their week. Uh, they were 3-0 coming up, played me last week. They had a week four meltdown. Uh, they had... They didn't have Julio. They didn't have Sterling Shepard. They didn't have Rob Gronkowski, who were, I mean, Julio wasn't having a great season, but Sterling Shepard and Gronk were helping him 
kelp and carry him for the, through the first three weeks. Um, he had absolutely no tight end output last week. A combined total of three points without Gronk from his two tight ends. He did have CJ Uzama on the bench with a monster week, but who would have thought to start CJ Uzama? So he can't hold that against him at all. Tom Brady also had a really bad game and dang miles sanders another bad one over the past two games he has a total of nine carries for 40 yards and six catches for 62 yards a little little worrying for miles sanders but uh uh what do you think about the juicers this past week do you think moving forward they got better better things ahead uh what do you think i unfortunately wish i had better news for the juicers uh because because i really don't the, the lack of volume for miles sanders has been staggering and I know he's disappointed because I, he traded away, I believe he traded away Travis Etienne to bring in Miles Sanders uh, to help, you know, kind of just help that RB room and, cre- and create some production for himself uh, because of Etienne missing the season. And I know how much he loved Etienne, mostly because he, you know, he he spoke to me via DM, so excited to be able to draft Travis Etienne because it fell to him uh, in you know the rookie draft. But so I know he's just punching a pillow unfortunately uh he, his two producers saquon barkley and antonio gibson though that's the story of this team you're not going to get any production out of jalen waddle unfortunately with uh, kobe uh jacoby excuse me percent uh at you know at quarterback you really need to a back unfortunately to uh, create some more opportunities for jalen waddle and he's starting zach wilson zach wilson man that is risky i mean if i'm if I was a contender and I was starting Zach Wilson, I would probably look other, uh, you know, elsewhere. And the unfortunate part is that I know he doesn't want to trade. I'm assuming he doesn't want to trade, you know, too much of his assets away to bring in another quarterback, especially a veteran when he has Tom Brady and he has Zach Wilson. But Zach Wilson just can't be trusted. You know, he could easily put up a 16 to 17 uh, point week, and you're like, okay, you can. You can overcome that. It's going to be difficult, but you can overcome that. But you can't overcome him putting two points on the board like he's done before. I mean, like the last two weeks, I think, have been like two or four point games. Like that's really hard to overcome when your quarterback puts up that level of a stinker. So Justin Fields is coming back in and Cole Komet, zero faith in Cole Komet. Uh, Unfortunately, Cole Komet and Austin Hooper, in my opinion, are both just they're not you can't start them like you just can't roll them out there and be confident with your, you know, your decision. Maybe they'll catch like a touchdown. They'll catch like one for three for like one touchdown. And that'll make your, you know, that'll make your week for them. But they have a perfect get right game versus the Aussies. So, you know, maybe they'll feel a little more comfortable going forward. But like I said, in the power rankings, this team desperately needs another veteran piece to, uh, you know, to make it a, a true contender. So, yeah. No, I, I fully agree. Uh, one kind of interesting thing that just looking back on it, uh, when he made that Miles Sanders trade, like you brought it up, uh, for with when he gave away Travis Etienne, I was shocked at the time, and now I'm sure he's kicking himself a little bit that uh, Kenny Gainwell wasn't involved in that because Prestige Worldwide still has Kenny Gainwell. He didn't deal him with Miles Sanders to uh, to acquire Travis Etienne. So Kenny Gainwell's been getting some red zone touches and some uh, some catches out of the backfield, so I bet he's kicking himself a little bit for that one. All right, so let's move on. Uh, real quick, just just to bring this up, um, 
let's get a quick little allocation check on the draft pick distribution for 2022. I just think it's kind of an interesting thing to bring up just to see what teams have what draft picks going into 2022. So we'll get these two teams out of the way really quick. We got the Sea Dogs and the Chicago Southsiders who don't have any picks in 2022 nor in 2023, actually. They won't be picking anything until 2024. Um, but going down the list here, we got you, the Cleveland Steamboats, two firsts and a fourth. Prestige Worldwide, four thirds and three fourths, no firsts or seconds. The Aussies, three seconds and a fourth. Air Rats, one second and one fourth. The Juicers have a first and a fourth. War Machine's got a second and a fourth. Curb Stompers has got quite a bit of capital in the later rounds. He's got he's only got one first and two seconds, but he's got five thirds and two fourths. Uh, the Richmond Raiders, this one's a little scary, has two firsts and a fourth, just like you having the two firsts and a fourth. That's That intimidates me a little bit. Uh, I have one second, and then the Bombers, man. Half the first round in 2022. He has six firsts, four seconds, three thirds, and a fourth. And then I, I think we can't get away from uh, from talking about draft picks without talking about Churro a little bit here, man. He's got half the, half the first round, and what a third of the second round uh and really his team doesn't look bad now he's scoring some solid points uh he's projected all nearly 140 this week i i'm scared of churro man i mean after this year once he goes into the 2022 draft he could really elevate his team uh thoughts on churro and going into 2022's draft he's he's in a perfect situation he's in a situation that most dynasty managers dream of where they're the, you know, they, they come in, they inherit a team and it's just loaded. It, it's just completely stacked with draft capital six first. You could do anything with that. There's so many different directions you could go. You could buy most veteran players. You could, uh, you know, it, or you could just draft or you could trade back. You could, you know, say, Hey, I'm going to draft three players in the 2022 draft. And then I'm going to trade away three, three firsts and kind of allocate, you know, increase your draft capital in 2023, 2024, you know, whatever the situation is. Um, it's just, it's, it's a dynasty manager's wet dream. Uh, unfortunately, the Bombers haven't been the most active team in the league, and I'd love to see some more activity from them. Hopefully they can nail the draft in 2022, but uh, unfortunately it kind of feels like they're asleep at the wheel right now. But if they, if they wake up and they really start, you know, focusing on this team every single day, trying to get better, trying to improve, trying to create a plan for your, you know, your dynasty uh, team, that team could be terrifying and be ready to compete next season. Even if it's most, you know, six rookies, for example, if they bring in six rookies, they might not be ready to compete for a championship, but they could probably scratch the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, a lot, uh, they're, I assume they're a team that everybody wants to trade with. I mean, everybody wants draft capital, so that's everybody's going to want to trade with them. Let's move on to the matchups this week. So we'll start off with a couple of matchups here that uh, likely aren't going to be too close. The first one is a little bit familiar. We got curb stompers here with the, <laughs> in the blowout category. Uh, he's against me this week. Um, I don't want to call it a blow. I don't want to call it, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, you never know. It's fantasy football. I, I could have a bad week. He could have a great week. That, that kind of thing happens. I wanted to bring up a couple things that I wanted to look at in this game. Uh, maybe not 
not so not more in the direction of is he going to beat me is he going to blow is he going to upset me uh or am i going to blow him out it's more so like just little things i want to pick up on so for his team i kind of want to look at sam darnold see if he continues that uh, just that awesome play he's had he's looked great he looks like he's the franchise quarterback for the panthers which is absolutely insane to say uh given how bad he was the first couple years um and one other really big thing I wanted to look at for his team is just some more rookie wide receiver involvement. He's got both the Moors, Elijah and Rondell Moore, and then Amon Ross St. Brown and Terrace Marshall. And none of those guys, I mean, Rondell Moore's had a, I think two separate weeks where he did pretty solid. But once again, like we talked about with the Cardinals, there's just a lot of uh, target distribution from amongst all the receivers there. So it's kind of tough for him, but I mean, really, Elijah Moore is a big one I'm looking for for him to step step forward, even despite Jamison Crowder being there and Corey Davis taking some targets. I want to see Elijah Moore do a little bit more in the his rookie season. And then for my team, I kind of want to just look at Debo Samuel, see if he continues to dominate those uh, that target volume. Uh, is Brandon Ayuk going to finally get involved? It doesn't seem like it, unfortunately, but uh, I want to kind of watch Debo Samuel, see what he's got. Uh, what do you think about the my matchup versus uh, Curb Stompers? I think it's a, it's a great matchup to pay attention to, mostly because of uh, like a, what you've highlighted, some of the players on his team, because I really like a lot of his players. Uh, I mean, chances are you're going to win this matchup. Uh, sorry, Curb, you know, love you, but, and you, you know this, I mean, Curb, you know that your team isn't ready to compete and you're totally fine, you know, just kind of chilling and losing and, you know, just hanging out and waiting for, waiting for the 2022 draft. But, you know, at the same time, you're, you're also trying to win every single week to crush some dreams, which I totally respect. Uh, I'd actually like to take a second to talk about Curb's team. I, we talked about Prestige Worldwide's team, but we didn't talk about, or you didn't, you know, we didn't talk a lot about, unfortunately, Curb's team. And I'll, I'll keep it short here, but uh, Curb's is, he's a very young team with a bright future. And if his, if his players continue to develop, he's in a very unique situation where his division is actually very winnable next season or you know in 2023 uh the juices are packed with veteran star power but they you know some of those players are potentially on the decline uh you know like i said he's comfortable losing you know while avoiding tanking by you know constitution standards which i totally appreciate and respect i don't have to you know look at his roster every week oh is he tanking you know i don't have to worry about that i don't have to worry about that at all with any of our you know managers because they're all respectable dudes but um his time in the sun is coming and it's not a matter of, you know, when it's a matter of, uh, excuse me. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when he's definitely on the rise. Chase Claypool is the guy you want to watch though. I love Chase Claypool. I wish I could acquire him. He's just too expensive, unfortunately for me now, but he has WR one upside, uh, you know, top 12 dynasty upside. It's just, unfortunately the offense is just incompetent. So I love Chase Claypool. It seems like every time they throw him the ball, he catches it. It doesn't matter how if he's double covered, triple covered, if the dude's all over him, if he's getting a PI call, uh, it doesn't matter. It's he catches the ball. He's absolutely insane. And I like what you brought up about the his division because his division totally. I I didn't even look at that, but uh, it's it's possible to be winnable next year or even in 2023, like you said. Uh, Jacks will still probably be pretty solid next season, uh, despite having some veterans they'll be leaving. But it's I mean Kerb could be playoff ready in 2023. I, I like the direction his team is going. Let's move on to the next one. We've got the Cleveland Steamboats versus Prestige Worldwide. Uh, another another matchup that's not likely to be overly close. Um, kind of wanted to highlight a couple more players in this matchup to look for rather than talk about uh, the actual matchup of team versus team. 
Um, so for Prestige Worldwide, uh, I kind of want to see Kenny Gainwell get a little bit more work. He he's looked good. I I didn't love Kenny Gainwell coming out. He I thought he was going to be a good scat back, which I mean he has been good in the passing game, but. Uh, like I brought up earlier, he's been getting some gold line carries, which is really, really weird because he's kind of a smaller dude. He did he did well at, at the goal line in Memphis, but I, I he doesn't have the, really the body for it. But I'm kind of interested to see if he gets more and more work going forward because Miles Sanders' work has just been going down. Um, and I've kind of liked the activity from uh, Prestige Worldwide. He's been throwing some guys in the trade block. I know he's, he's traded, shoot, a handful of times in uh, the past couple months since he's been here. And I, I like that activity. I can, I can see a future for him where he's, I mean, he's trying to get better and I appreciate that by uh, a ton. Honestly, it's, it's great to see um, for your team. I would want to see Kyle Pitts dominate. I haven't seen it yet. And I know you're disappointed with that. I'm disappointed with that. I love Kyle Pitts. I was absolutely butthurt that you got him in the draft. Do you know that? Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see him dominate. I just want to see him dominate, but uh, he's, they play the jets this week. The jets have been weirdly good against the tight ends. Uh, they've only allowed one tight end, one performance so far this season uh, against new England, weirdly. Um, but how, how do you feel about this matchup? Any players you're looking for? The, uh, you know, besides Kyle Pitts, which you already know, I love. And unfortunately my prediction did not come true. He wasn't the tight tight end one overall, and that makes me super sad. But the thing is, the, the reason why I'm not worried, which no Dynasty uh, Kyle Pitts manager is worried at this point, and they're not selling, I guarantee that, is the volume. The volume is there. I mean, nine targets. He's only able to come down with four footballs, uh, you know, for 50 yards, but not one TD yet. And the TD, the TD is coming. Touchdown is on its way. I, I can't tell you when, though. Uh, but it's it's on its way, and I feel like once he catches that first touchdown and he starts getting you know in, uh, you know integrated into the offense even more, he could easily have double digit targets every single week. So double digit targets, com- you know, the opportunity combined with uh, you know possibly the touchdown upside is just a surefire uh, startable you know tight end, especially in premium. So, but, but the biggest player that I'm looking for. Besides, you know, Kenneth Gainwell, besides Kenneth Gainwell, I do really like Kenneth Gainwell. I didn't really care for him in my process, but I think he has a lot of opportunity in Philly. And I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, they can be successful in Philly. But it's Javante Williams for me. Uh, I really want Javante Williams to get a full workload. Unfortunately, this week against Pittsburgh, that's going to be an uphill battle, uh, you know, with TJ Watt and company. But if uh, Javante Williams gets the full, you know, like the lion's share of the carries and the receptions and, and all of that, I feel like Javante Williams could really break out. And the sky's the limit for Javante Williams. I know how much you love Javante Williams. I mean, Absolutely. some would say you are an optimist, right? You're just a, yeah. a total truther. You just love Javante Williams. And, you know, honestly, I'd love to see, uh, you know, your pillow after I drafted Javante Williams and Kyle <laughs> Pitts because... Upset. I guarantee that pillow was leaking some uh, some feathers or, you know, fluff or whatever you have in that pillow. So, um, you know, what do you think about Javante Williams, especially going forward? I know I know what you love him, but when's you know, when's he going to get the lion's share? I mean, when's is, is it an injury? Is the injury the only thing that's going to 
you know, really unlock him or eventually will he take over the starting role? Yeah, I honestly, I think injury is kind of the only thing. I, I mean, as from what we've seen so far this year, it, injury is the only thing that will get him the lion's share of the carries. It's he they seemed really keen on splitting that backfield 50 50. It's been almost 50 50 this whole season. Javante's looked great. Uh, Melvin Gordon's had his moments still. He Melvin Gordon doesn't look terrible. He doesn't. He's obviously not what he used to be, but he hasn't looked terrible uh, next season, though. Oh, Javante Williams season. He was my RB1 coming out in the draft, and I, oh, I love Javante Williams. Did you see that run he had last week with, against the Ravens where he's carrying, like, dudes down, like, 20 yards down the field or whatever it was? Oh, yeah, that's just a blast exactly what he did in college. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. You see it translate. He's he's awesome. He's a he's a solid pass catcher, too. We haven't really seen that yet in the NFL, but uh, he, he'll, he'll shine eventually. I don't know if it'll be this season. It might be, but. Uh, definitely oh, next season. Aaron Rodgers comes in. Ooh. Oh, don't say that. Oh, don't man. I'm trying that. to speak that into existence, bro. I want Aaron Rodgers so bad to go to Denver. Uh, it'd be good for fantasy. All right. Let's move along uh, so we don't go too long here. So next one's going to be the Southsiders versus the Air Rats. This is another one that I don't see as uh, particularly close, to be honest. Um, a couple things I'm looking for here. Can the Southsiders stay healthy? Uh, I mean, they don't have a ton of depth like we've talked about this whole season. Uh, really, can they stay healthy? Um, and then for the Air Rats, uh, I want to see some more continued tight end production from Dalton Schultz and Dallas Goddard. They've looked good so far. Dalton Schultz has been kind of a surprise. He's been getting targeted pretty heavily, and he's kind of kicked Blake Jarwin out. Uh, Blake Jarwin really isn't much of a factor anymore, which I believe actually is Chicago Southsiders has Blake Jarwin, so that probably upsets him a little bit. Um, and then Justin Fields has been named the starter going forward, which absolutely shocked me. I mean, it was probably gun to, gun to the head to Matt Nagy to get him to do that, but uh, I'm excited to see what the future holds for Justin Fields. He looked better last game. He made some big-time throws to Darnell Mooney. Um, one thing I wanted to point out about the Chicago Southsiders is that flex position that they're playing Mike Davis in right now. I mean, last week, I think he started Tim Patrick in the flex position. I could be wrong, but uh, he's starting Mike Davis so far this week. Do you think it would be almost worth it to start Tony Pollard or Randall Cobb in that spot over Mike Davis or Tim Patrick? I mean, Randall Cobb had a big week last week, could be more involved with Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, being hurt. Um, and then Tony Pollard's getting weekly, weekly touches. Uh, do you think they might be a better shot over Mike Davis or Tim Patrick? I just, Randall Cobb, bro. That just makes you want to cringe. Yeah. I mean, of course that is just disgusting, bro. Um, yeah, personally, I feel like Randall Cobb does offer more upside than Mike Davis. Mike Davis is going to get you nine to 10 points a week, you know, unless he uh, gets a touchdown because Cordero is just a beast. I mean, he's just, he's going beast mode right now. And Mike Davis just isn't getting the volume uh, or the red zone carries that you really want. So, yeah, I feel like some of those other players offer more upside for him. You know, if if he's looking for a floor option, like, for example, in this matchup, I don't think he needs to, you know, shoot for the stars and put in a high upside play that has a really high ceiling, but like a super low floor. I think he can just ride out Mike Davis that has like a 9 to 10 point floor get his 150 to 160 points and just, you know, just get an easy dub. You not really worry about potentially, you know, one of the players that he's slotting in put up a gooser because Mike Davis is going to get guaranteed volume where Randall Cobb could unfortunately just disappear one matchup. You know, all of a sudden he could just have no involvement in the offense at all. So yeah, no, that's the way I see it. I agree. I agree. All right, let's move on to, uh, I like this matchup. This one's a super fun one. Sea uh, dogs versus the Richmond Raiders. Uh, like we talked about last week with the Raiders, didn't happen for him, but they can beat anyone any week. Um, 
Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs are playing the Bears this week, which, uh, I mean, call me Homer, talk about the Raiders. The Bears aren't that good. It, this could be a good one for them. The Bears have been pretty bad against wide receivers, too. They're 29th against fantasy wide receivers this season. Uh, Henry Ruggs could catch a bomb any week, and that could be a big, big one for him. And he's going to need the upside plays against uh, the Seadogs because the Seadogs are just putting up a ton of points this season. Uh, but the Seadogs do, do have Josh Allen and Tyreek Hill this week playing against each other's teams. Uh, Kansas City versus the Bills. That's obviously the huge game of the week. Everybody's waiting to watch that one. Uh, but that's I, I'm expecting to be a high-scoring game. The Bills defense has been pretty incredible this season. I don't know if they can stop Patrick Mahomes. I, I Let me rephrase that. I don't know if they can slow down Patrick Mahomes. But it, that that matchup is going to be a lot of fun. And But the Seahawks really need to get more tight end production. And that's something I didn't think I'd be saying. He has George Kittle. But... George Kittle hasn't done anything. He doesn't even have a touchdown this season. It's it's crazy. And I mean, Zach Ertz has been fine as a tight end too. But I think as an upper end team, you're looking for a little bit better than fine. Granted, not no shade towards him. He's his team is incredible. He's I think he scored the most points on the season out of anybody. But uh, no, it's he needs a little bit more production if he really wants to feel that safety. Uh, I'm gonna take the Sea Dogs in this matchup. Uh, it's probably gonna be a close one. I. I really do think it's going to be a close one. I would like to see Raiders take a W here, though. I mean, he's two tough matchups in a row for them. Uh, what do you think about this matchup? Mm, with this matchup, uh, unfortunately, like you said, the Sea Dogs have extremely consistent scores. I'm really curious to see. One thing I want to talk about is uh, Joe Mixon. Uh, I really don't know the the situation around Joe Mixon or if he's you know still sitting out of practice, but. If Joe Mixon isn't available for uh, Sunday, which they do play Sunday, correct? Yeah, I believe they're Sunday night. Okay. Uh, versus Green Bay, correct me if I'm wrong. But that's something to, to consider. If Joe Mixon can't go on Sunday, they could potentially be in a shootout with Aaron Rodgers, which could mean a lot more go balls for Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase has been, he's been very, very dominant, especially, you know, on those... Uh, kind of you know what they did in college together with those go balls i think that jamar chase potentially has a two touchdown performance if they can't get anything going on the ground which i, I don't think they will be able to get anything going on the ground without um joe mixon so they're gonna have to throw a lot more i think t higgins is um slated to come back on sunday night so that's going to be good for the entire offense but that opens up you know that opens up the field especially when t higgins is playing more for jamar chase because i i when I was watching, they were really keying on Jamar Chase, and that's why um, CJ Uz Uzama, I believe his, his last name is, uh, got so many receptions and so many targets. Is because Jamar Chase was uh, pretty heavily covered. So I think Jamar Chase could easily have a blow up game of two tutties. So yeah, no, I, I like that analysis. I'm I'm going to take the Sea Dogs in it, but don't be surprised if the Raiders come through. Uh, I, I like that team a lot. All yeah, right. I have to put my money oh, yeah. on the Sea Dogs. Unfortunately, I can't. Yeah. I can't put my money on the Richmond Raiders. However, I would not be shocked if the Raiders win in a close matchup. Hey, if, if there were a spread on this game, I, I I would take the spread towards the Raiders, but we don't have spreads in fantasy football. That's not how that works. So, That's true. Uh, let's, go, let's move on to the next one. Uh, we got here the Denver Aussies versus the Jacksonville Juicers. Um, this one, TBD to see if it'll be how close it'll be. Right now, the Aussies still have... Uh, DJ Chark and Jimmy Garoppolo in their starting lineup, both uh, presenting a zero projected point. So it's kind of hard to tell on the projections what what really how close the matchup is going to be, according to Sleeper. But I think it can be closer than we think. 
Chase Edmonds has been very good this season. Cooper Cup's obviously been awesome. Um, and the juicers still are going to be without Gronk, and both Julio and Sterling Shepard have been out of practice, which are uh, it's a big blow for him, man. It's a, it's a really big blow. But um, I'm kind of looking to see if the, both the Juicers and the Aussies start making some trades here soon. See if the Juicers are trying to really, really compete this season like we've talked about a couple times. And then the Aussies to see if they start trading away some of those uh, big-name guys to go into rebuild mode or what their plan kind of is there. Because uh, Chase Edmonds presents a little bit of value. Cooper Cup obviously presents some huge value. So kind of interested in that aspect to see if these two teams start trading. But this should be a close matchup um, just due to some injuries for the juicers and TBD on the Aussies. So what do you think? I think that the Aussies will have a much higher percentage chance of winning when they slot in um, players like James Conner, for example. James Conner, I mean, his snap percentage has been super low, but he's still getting a lot of volume. And he's, I think it's back-to-back like 18 to 20 week points, uh, week, t- uh, point weeks, excuse me. And... Mm, Injuries, man. Injuries have just plagued the juicers, and the poor juicers just can't get any momentum going right now. Uh, you know, I can't imagine what will happen if they lose this week. They'll, you know, they'll be they'll only be three and two, so it's not, you know, sky isn't falling just yet. But you have to be a little bit worried if you lose to you know one of the bottom end teams that's you know eyeing a rebuild. So, yeah, no, I agree. All right, let's move into the matchup of the week, uh, and then we'll end this thing here. So matchup of the week is the Washington War Machines versus the Baltimore Bombers. And I'm taking the Baltimore Bombers in this matchup. Uh, it's great. <laughs> oh, no. This is not just me. Well, I, I'm not just trying to talk shit to Dave over there, man. But it's three weeks in a row, bro. It's looking rough. It's David Montgomery and Logan Thomas both got hurt last week for him. Melvin Gordon didn't practice. He's probably going to play. This is probably just a veteran resting, but still something to look at. Um, and I mean, really, the Bombers have been playing well. It's they've been really, really consistent. They got Daniel Jones balling out right now, who's which has just been crazy. He's been balling out in the NFL, not just fantasy football wise. He's he's playing really well, man. Ceh and Najee have both been great. Ceh at least for the past two weeks, Najee's been just a high volume guy. But that's I mean, it's getting them points and points are points, whatever. It doesn't really matter. And this week, we might see the first big fantasy outing for Mac Jones against the Houston Texans because the Texans just suck. I mean, they had, what, 40 points dropped on them by the Bills, 40 to nothing. It's It was a rough-looking one. I'm Like I said, I am think I'm going to take the Bombers in this one and probably a really close matchup. What do you think? I, I feel bad, man, because I'm about to take the Bombers over the War Machines. And at this point, I feel like I'm picking on the War Machines, right? Because at first they were a dominant team. Now they're just a talented team. At the, if they lose this matchup, what are they at that point? What what would you call the War Machines if they lose to the Baltimore Bombers? Because that puts them at one and four. Uh, I mean, based on their roster, you want to still call them a contender, but it when you're one and four, it's that's a tough road to get back up to contention. I mean, especially when you dropped a game early on to prestige worldwide, uh, he's got some tougher games ahead of him. It's, it's tough to, it's tough to project, but if you, if he goes down to the Baltimore bombers here, I don't know if he's a contender anymore. I I mean, he is in the sense of his roster and he can beat any team any week, but is he going to make the playoffs? I mean, bombers, if the bombers win, they have a significant lead on on him in their division. So that's that's true. And division, division winners have a guaranteed playoff uh, spot. So 
he could make it via the wild card. You know, he could make it um, if you, if you really, you know, even with not winning the division, it's just going to be rough. There's a lot of good teams. In the, you know, there's like six or seven really good teams in the league. Yeah. And they all want though. They all want a top six, uh, you know, position to advance to the playoffs. So, and Dev- oh man, Devonta Smith, bro. Ooh, Devonta Smith is a baller, man. I mean, ah, oh, gosh, I, I'm really curious to see how uh, Philly does against Carolina at Carolina. That's going to be a fun one to watch. But he has a lot of consistent scores, like you said. Najee, Clyde, Mike Evans. I mean, this is a hard this is a hard matchup for the bomber, uh, the War Machines, excuse me. So yeah, I think the Bombers will be on upset watch the rest of the year against whoever they play. It's I I really do like that Bombers team. They're set up for success in the future. All right, well we'll end this one here. Thanks guys for uh, tuning into the fourth episode, and uh, we. We hope to be dropping a bonus one here soon. Uh, we'll we'll see if that gets going. So uh, hey, till next time, guys.